Hey, Ding Dongs. This is Jamie. This is Richard. And this is Explain It to Jamie, the show in which Jamie gets things explained to him of the political category. That's right, everybody. Yeah. I explain to my curious and intelligent yet politically innocent friend, Jamie Cavanaugh, the complex intricacies of the world around us. That's right. That's right, because I just don't know what to make of this world, this guys. This world, guys. Yeah, the Facebook feed is is pumping stuff in day in and day out, and I, I don't know how to make sense of all of it. Oh, what a tangle. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, was a, that guy was like listening along to you, and he was like honk, honking yeah, in solidarity. Like, yeah, I agree. He's I like, agree. yeah, man, yeah. I also don't know what to make of it. <laughs> is he parked? In the living room? <laughs> yeah, was it was really, so loud. That was a present horn. Yeah. Um, great. Well, <laughs> this apartment used to belong to like a taxi driver who like hung himself or something. Uh, yeah. He, he took his car apart on the outside of the building and put it back together on the inside of the building. That's right. And then like, he monoxided himself to death and his yeah. ghost in the ghost cab <laughs> remains. Like those old baby boon, baby boomer like high school pranks. What is it just me? Or that like, was a prank people used to do? They used to yeah, kill themselves I, with monoxide? Oh, my, I see. You're someone, talking about the car thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, monoxide? You like monoxide? the whole house before no they Richard I wasn't listening to what you were saying <laughs> I was like thinking about the mechanics of taking a car apart and putting it back together on the inside of a building didn't we know somebody who did that I think everybody like has claimed quote, right. quote unquote knows somebody who did right. it that was like uh, just like how all you people say you went to university yeah all these people we know you dumb dumbs we know <laughs> yeah. we know that you just went to acting yeah. school yeah you liars like, yeah you had like a Placemat with crayon written on it saying that yeah. you have a degree. We all know you wrote one 750-word paper for a dude who gave you all the answers ahead of time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and like your teachers were like, you're going to get through this. Yeah. We will make sure you get you through this. You will not fail. Yeah, I, just so everybody knows, I went to acting school. We went so to I'm acting not, school. I'm not throwing shade at people that I, I can't. Um, so, okay, so this week, we digress heavily. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, this week... I want to know yeah. about the alt-right. Okay, Jamie. What are they? Who are they? What do they want? Why do sometimes they seem nice and then other times they seem like nightmarish ghoul monsters from beyond the darkness? <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah, what, what is going on? What, why, like, why, why am I being... Re- yeah. Like, yeah. why do I have to hear about this? Why do I have to hear about this? And also, what's, what exactly specifically is wrong with them specifically? Because, you know, I feel like, very similar to a lot of topics on this podcast, I get blanketed with information on my Facebook. It's all, um, ch- like, sort of... Uh, uh, it's yeah. curated by my friends and colleagues who are all of one political inclination. It is colored. And so I want to know what the hard truth is, the hard facts about it. What is it people don't like? What is it people like? That kind of thing. All right. Well, yeah, it's um, it's a weird world, man. Like, it, it's like kind of like, in a way, everything you suspect it is, it probably is. Right. Yeah. So like all of the... All of the weirdness that you suspect it is, it probably is. All the things you fear about it are probably sort of true. But then also, they can't be applied to everyone in the alt-right. Like, this is the problem of the alt-right. It's a tangled, tangled right. web. This was the quote I was trying to say earlier. Oh, what a tangled web we weave uh-huh. when first we practice to yes. deceive. Of course, Charlotte's Web. <laughs> 
You <laughs> going on like two minute riff on how you went to theater school, and then you and then you say a Shakespeare quote from Charlotte's Web. No, it's from Shakespeare, Jamie. Yeah. Maybe you heard of him. He invented white people. Yeah, I know, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it, Jamie. Um, yeah. All right, great. Well, I look forward to untangling this web in this week's episode. Let's get into it. Uh. Okay, so the alt-right, Richard, the alternative right. <laughs> Nailing it. As I understand them yeah. to be. Um, I, uh, here's the, here, okay, here's, what here's, do you know? What do you know? Here's the impression I get. Because I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I must admit, I'm, I've been quick to like turn off whatever it is I'm watching that includes the alt-right because I know, I know like the opinions that sort of surround it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like, do I want to waste my time watching a bunch of people be fucking like racist and selfish but admittedly to myself that is an implied uh feeling from my friends and from people i know so right. i don't i have no evidence or anything like that to base it on but you're like preemptively i'm preemptively shielding, shielding myself so I, I actually this is a topic i know very very little about yeah that makes um, sense though because it's like if your buddy has like the flu why would you go hang out with him if you knew he had the flu? Like, exactly. Like you're worried that you're going to like exactly. just exhaust yourself. And So I want to say, like, um, I mean, we're going to get into, I'm sure, famous alt-right people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But uh, uh, one of the impressions I get off them, at least some of the, the, the pundits they put on, on the news, they are, like, incendiary. They're, like, very shock um, they, they say a lot of stuff to press buttons. Right. Get... get uh, Get conversation emotional, right? Um, but I, 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 you know, I have to admit, there's been some things that they've said on the show that I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't really like disagree with that necessarily. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then there's all this other stuff about you know, like you know, anti anti uh, uh, Islam and like and uh, and this you know sort of freedom of speech argument that I think is flawed. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. The, I, it seems to me the people they put on TV are different than the ones who are, like, running things behind the scenes. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, uh, like, some, a lot of the time I'm like, yeah, you're kind of, like, a likable, like, funny person with potentially fucked up political views, but I haven't been paying that much attention. Right. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so what are they? So what, the what, alt- where, where did it all start? The alt-right is a term that has come into vogue in the last year or so, but which has existed since about 2010, when a guy who you've probably heard of named Richard Spencer registered a website domain called, I believe, alternativeright.com or something like that. Okay. Um, I, I, I will take this moment to present the boilerplate, explain it to Jamie Caveat of, I do not have insider information of this although i actually like um ooh, the dark hook for this episode is i actually like kind of stumbled into and was briefly like a part of the early things the alt-right did before they were actually the alt-right and, and you'll know what i mean more when we get into it wow. and you've probably encountered them and and dipped around the fringes or like kind of like waded through a shallow pool of the alt-right more than you think you have because okay. um 
the alt-right, the way we refer to it now, is like a really vague and loose amorphous coalition of essentially online communities who have sort of who kind of reinforce each other, energize each other, have interconnections with each other, but who all kind of stand and believe in very different things, united only in their dislike uh, of the progressive left. A bit of an anom- anonymous feeling to it. Anonymous is absolutely the birthplace of the alt-right. Wow. And like before that, 4chan, right? 4chan, the online message board that gave birth to Anonymous. Right, right. Which itself was always kind of, started as kind of a prank, right? Yeah. Uh, That grew, many of the communities that have become the alt-right now came from 4chan and the people who were involved in the early Anonymous stuff. And that's the stuff that I was talking about. Like the Scientology protests and stuff like that. The sign. Do you remember when Anonymous protested Scientology in like 2008? Yep. So that was like the first major real world political action undertaken by the people at 4chan. Mm-hmm. And since then, that kind of became the playbook for the stuff the alt right does. Playbooks, even the wrong word. That's way too formal a word. It was just like, okay, let's like roll back a bit here. Okay. Um. The alt-right as we know it now are like predominantly white, predominantly male people who are generally educated or um, they usually have college education or sometimes, you know, they're teenagers. Um, they, re- you know, also you can find them in middle school and shit. Right. Um, who are people who are like very engaged online. Um, and they come from a lot of different subcultures of the online world, including like gaming culture. Mm-hmm. Um Especially the like stereo, what you consider to be like really stereotypical gaming culture of like a fourteen-year-old calling you a faggot on Xbox Live. Right. But then also like, um, you know, cultures like anime cultures are kind of swept up in that too, and and online communities that formed around anime. Like 4chan was originally yeah. an anime. Interest That's what group. I use video games for. To yell faggot. To yell faggot. Yeah, yeah. It's the only socially acceptable space. Yeah, only, can, yeah. yeah just, like, that's all I use it for. If it's socially acceptable there, yeah, which, yeah. you know, ugh, I don't know. It's just such a right. weird thing. I, like, okay, I think I see a, the edge, though. I think I see the edge that's, like, gliding towards the alt-right. Yeah, like see what the, I mean? Because uh, it's that old sort of... Um, <laughs> It's, it's it's the freedom of speech thing right uh, you know that like that old internet anonymous like you can't hold in, right. information down you can't that's hold, right yeah yeah and and a lot of their okay a lot of what made them transition from being um an entirely online group to a group that affected w- political action in the real world albeit very weird 21st century like political action that was very much derived from online activity and resembled stuff you do online more than it resembled traditional political action. Um, The stuff that pushed them into the real world was at first like weird, weirdly specific freedom of speech, freedom of information cases that they just latched onto. And that's part of what's weird about the alt-right too, is that it's not a coherent movement. I I, I started describing this. So it's like, you know, there's anime communities involved in there. There's gaming communities. There's also 
a subculture that's called online the manosphere, which is like men's rights. I know, <laughs> like like male interest, especially white male interest communities, including men's rights activists, communities like the Red Pill and pickup artists, which like teach um, you know dudes how to like tricks to sleep with women and right. try to get them to be like embrace their like alpha maleness because masculinity is under attack in the West and that we should all be like you right. know kings return of kings is one of the communities that's what they're called um pickup artists red pill those are the that's the manosphere right um it it has uh snowballed and then there's also like actual white nationalist hate groups like pegida and stormfront and like these people are like real nazis who want to unleash violence i think that they're considered even among the alt-right to be a smaller subsection yeah like the extremists but then there's also a middle ground of extremists who are like white ethnocentrists right who are people who I, i i'm struggling to define them fairly because i have no time for these people whatsoever and i think their ideas are like deeply deeply fundamentally misguided again we'll get into this but they basically if i to describe them they're against the idea of pluralistic societies they're against multiculturalism and they think that it's fundamentally not possible for different cultures to exist within the same society so they want to resegregate societies and they claim that this is for to everyone's benefit right. it's for everyone's benefit that mexicans all live in mexico and white people all live in america which is what they claim is Right. The like the the state of order of things, even though this has literally never been true and has never been the case. They they say that and they use all kinds of dubious intellectualizations and pseudoscience to kind of justify this. But right. here's what's key about understanding the alt right. I'm making it sound a whole lot more coherent than it actually is. It's, the alt right it's an amorphous blob it of comes different groups. From the internet and it functions like shit on the internet functions. So you know, it's like you know, there's like dog piling on the internet where like some like one really specific incident can quickly get amplified to like a global news story, right? right? And then Just people like leap on it, and people on. are piling on it and like really blowing it out of proportion, and like um, and that that kind of thing happens in the alt right a lot. That's why like when they glommed onto Scientology, they they anonymous, you know, anonymous comes from 4chan where you can post things without creating an account and then your name is anonymous, anonymous which is what yeah. like everyone did so it's not like a fancy group at first it was like an in joke about 4chan um anonymous first got like a it was because scientology like removed a video about tom cruise speaking about scientology and then like this is the sort of um echo chamber amplified the outrage of this until it became all these people actually doing stuff in the real world and at the time you know there were global protests uh, mm. one of and this is what i was saying earlier i attended the protest because i i wasn't on 4chan but i was on a, like another forum called something awful at the time i was like 19 and living in france and i heard yeah, about i remember the protest. something awful yeah, yeah i was yeah, on that yeah. website because <laughs> a cool older person you had to you had to pay 10 bucks to be a member of something awful yeah. and at a party once like a cool older friend of mine like on his credit card which i thought was like impossibly adult and awesome bought me uh something awful account yeah, like that. I remember something awful. Yeah, yeah yeah so i was on there um and i found out about this scientology protest through uh, through them and i went to london from france where i was living at the time right and uh and like protested scientology but i was i was there because i was like interested in protesting scientology and i had all these pamphlets and i talked to all these people but um at the time i like at the protest it was like 
internet nonsense, right? Like it was like, mm. it was, there was no real outrage, right? There's no real, even though they're like, they're, and this is, okay, this is another defining characteristic of the alt-right. Even though they're a political action group now, or like they see themselves as like a group of aggregated interests um, who want to act in the political sphere, a lot of what they do comes from internet trolling, mm. right? And internet trolling is a huge part of their culture and community and their value system and their like measurements of success and failure, right? which is weird because internet trolling in the real in even in the real world does not actually line up with success or failure in politics and legislation and real tangible things right, right so that's right. an interesting tension of the alt-right okay All, and just to loop it back around and, and yeah. close this point so like even though they organized global protests against scientology and like all put all these bodies in the street which was like a huge achievement um they they used it as an opportunity to like make a lot of internet jokes in real life and like hold up banners with memes on them. 4chan basically created m memes and completely defined the discourse of memes that we use today. Like all of that came from 4chan. Yeah. Okay. So, so looping this back around to the alt right. Mm -hmm. So the alt right is not anonymous. No, no. Anonymous is, is fragmented. They are both, they're both forged in the same furnace. Yeah. Right. Okay. So like, uh, so, and the alt-right is actually kind of like, um, anonymous isn't one group anymore either. Anyone can call themselves that. And people under yeah. the name anonymous have done all kinds of different things. Some of which are like totally noble things. Right. Like, um, getting the Stoibenville rapists convicted. Right. And then other things are like really shitty things like, like anyone can say that they were doing that right right so it's like um what, what's it like it's kind of like uh uh you, you know like hannibal king hannibal the guy that almost toppled rome he's yes, like a, he's, yes. like a, he's like a you know a barbarian yeah. guy and like rome rome was so regimented and like uh, the soldiers were so well trained yeah that it made them very easy to predict and uh, Hannibal was like a king of like uh, barbarians yes. who were untrained, unorganized, um, and he added like certain levels of organization to their their wildness. Yeah, and and because the Romans were so easy to read because they're so organized, uh, he almost made it to Rome and he almost toppled the whole thing just with this sort of ragtag band of. This is a misfits. really really interesting historical comparison and a really i think that's that gives a lot of sheds a lot of light on what's been happening lately i don't think the alt-right is responsible for donald trump's success um also they they support donald trump yeah. there's huge alt-right communities around supporting donald trump um i don't think they're responsible for his success but i think they've been elevated to a mainstream prominence because of it and it's interesting to see what they will do right i mean interesting in the sense that like they might kill us all and we should really pay attention yeah um what they're going to do with that prominence and that energy right, right now right, that right. they've raised the hordes so to speak you know yeah I was who is he hannibal of carthage that's the guy um what's so okay so okay so yeah they're they're sort of a a ragtag band of misfits, yeah, they, uh, like sort of uh, communicating through the internet. A lot, you know, now personified as a group. Of yeah, people. what defines them is as a, a single unit is what they don't like. Right, you know what I mean. What they do like divides them. What they're advocating for divides these groups of people. But what they don't like is. Um, like progressive liberal social values, uh, right? And this is what makes them the alt right too, right? Like they're the alternative right as opposed to the like 
traditional conservative right, uh, the alt-right, they're like the evil left. Like they don't care about economics and small limited government as much as conservatives do. What they care about is like, the you know, the left's discourse about representation and about uh, social acceptance and about having the institutions and mechanisms of a multicultural society that allow people from all walks of life to have equality and to have an equal access to the resources of society. Yeah. That's what the alt-right is rebelling against, mm. right? They're rebelling against the notion that they need to be that minorities, disabled people, people who have alternative gender identities and alternative conceptions of the world to white mainstream American quote unquote society or British society or Canadian society or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're, they're rebelling against the idea that that is an, is a value of worth. They think that that is, um, a stifling fascist tyrannical thing. That's like about making people think different thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and this is part of what makes it tricky. What makes them tricky is that, there are some levels on which they're not wrong. There mm. are some philosophical ideas on which they are not wrong. And I guess those are the ones, like I hear, I you hear a lot of the time on uh, on like talk shows and stuff. It, like, uh, most of the stuff, I'm like, you're just being a fucking dick. But mm-hmm. but sometimes they make a point, and I go, oh no, I don't disagree. Like, right. Why? But here's the problem with them. Yeah. I think, and I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and I've you know read and watched my decent share of stuff. I should say too, I am not I'm not a member of the alt right. I'm a I'm a huge leftist. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I'm also you know I'm like also not white. You know, this is a podcast, so I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. people can't really tell. Uh, but I'm I, white. I'm yeah, white. Jamie's white, and uh, I'm not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's what we learned on today's podcast. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Um, okay, so the alt, one of the main intellectual tactics of the alt-right that I've seen is to take a generalization that is totally a generalization anyone could agree with, that is a tenant of our society, and then skip nine steps and use it to justify an extremely specific act of hate that has absolutely no basis in reality. Uh-huh. This is something that they do all the time. Right. So they'll say like, shouldn't people be allowed to freely express themselves and express their opinions? Why do I have to ex- why do I have to like that there's all these women in the Ghostbusters reboot? If I don't like it, shouldn't I be able to say that? And it's like, yeah, you're right. You probably should be allowed to say that. Even if it's an unpleasant opinion, yeah. you should be allowed to you say it. Allowed to but say then it. they're like what they did is harass Leslie Jones, the star of the Ghostbusters movie, <laughs> right. calling her a, fu- a nigger and like a monkey for days on Twitter and stuff like that. Right, right. right. I use the N-word because that's what they said and it's like disgusting and vile. We shouldn't pull punches around it. Like, right, right. Like, and it's like, okay, but the you skip some steps in the middle. Yeah. Right? It's like you're using this extremely general idea to justify an extremely specific act of <laughs> hatred and intolerance. Right. Right? And that's the thing. And when they go on these mainstream Bill Maher motherfucker shows, like fucking Bill Maher, this fucking appeasing piece of shit, um, Bill Maher doesn't push them right. on these issues. Right? He doesn't push into the specific context and the specific actions, the real world actions these people are taking. They, they allow them to articulate themselves at face value, but don't pin them down about what the follow through is. Right, right? right. Like that's 
the slipperiness of the alt right, mm-hmm. um, especially because some of their commentators are very are very charismatic. They're very well smoke, spoken, and they're very good writers. So right, reading their stuff is interesting because you can feel them pulling you in. But when you take a second to think it through, they they skip steps. Oh, another thing they do is they cherry pick a lot. So they'll take one extremely specific instance of something and then use it to generalize backwards into a huge um, intolerant generalization, right? right? You see this a lot with Islamophobia, which is a really hot button thing right now right, in Canada. Like look at the extremists and, and paint them all the same way. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. Like, um, like this, because this one, like, you know, oftentimes it'll be like, they'll be like refugees are refugees muslim refugees are like r- rapists and criminals and stuff and you'll be like what are you talking about and they'll be like look this syrian refugee groped six people at the west edmonton mall right and it's like okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. right you right. know you but they're the not down. but then yeah. this is the other th- and then th- here's how it goes hand in hand too is i just knocked over 17 things in this high-tech recording studio that's totally not my apartment um <laughs> Here's the other thing as well. The alt-right, because they come from internet subcultures, and they come from, like, stereo... What we would consider the stereotypical, like, internet white male loser who lives in his mom's basement. Like, that is the subculture of the alt-right. That's the demographic base of the Mm alt-right. And they're proud... Like, many people have theorized that the alt-right is kind of like a psychological reaction to being losers in a society where you're supposed to be a winner you know what i mean a society that a society that's fundamentally let you down but you can't take personal responsibility for it so instead you kind of like reinforce your own hatred by um by adopting all these crazy intellectual like fallacies and these intellectual leaps right right um so because of that one of the things I noticed co- coming up a lot in the alt-right is that they consider themselves really smart and they consider themselves people who see the truth and who are unafraid to say it in the face of societal opposition to the truth. Stuff like, yeah, there is a fundamental difference between men and women, mm. you know, like why aren't like, that's maybe a hard truth for people to accept, but like women's places in the home and men's places out there hunting, you know, like, like there's like that kind of thinking in the alt-right. Right. The problem is for them, their own intelligence is not just a value, it's like a fundamental pillar of their identity, but they have absolutely no, in my experience, understanding of or or um, ability to use the scientific method, right? right? Which is when you have a hypothesis, when you have like a, a, an idea about how the world works, you have to be able to Prove measure it, it yeah. and test it and then repeat those tests with the same result, right? right? And so... They use and employ freely the rhetoric of like statistics and analysis, but they don't have a holistic, they don't have an actual practice of doing these things, right? Right. They're not actually really doing the statistics. They're grabbing one thing that supports their argument and then they completely refuse. So it is a bit holistic, actually. It's like a bit like, you know, like, you know, when people... Like holistic medicine. And people are like, yeah, the seaweed oh, yeah. does this thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you found like one. That's right. You know, one grain of truth in this in this weird web. Yeah. And, and now you're expanding it to, to well, mean and, something and, uh, that and, doesn't mean. And science is too is all about controlling, right? Like you have to, 
a good scientific experiment controls for as many variables as possible. So you're just measuring this one thing to see if it responds the way that you think it does. Mm. And this and science takes a fucking long time because then you have to make sure you did it right. You have to let other people look at it. You have to let other people repeat your experiment to see if it can be verified. Mm. Right? The alt right has none of this discourse. They own, but they posture as smart, reasoned thinkers. And in my personal engagements with alt right people on on the internet they fucking melt down when you attack their intelligence when you when you say they're they're not being smart or when you say they're not if you refuse to accept that they are completely intelligent like strategic uh, smart guys who see through everything they lose their minds right like because to them that's all they have right they're basement dwelling people who have failed at society and so their belief in their own intelligence is what's is what their self-worth is based on. But it's right, also right. caused them to embrace all of these fake, weird theories about the world. And there's a whole crazy gamut of fake, weird theories about the world that they right. believe in. This is, okay, this is an interesting, interesting topic. My my constant fear on this podcast is that, like, I'm going to out myself as, in, like, as an ignorant person. You right. know what I mean? Like, but like I said, you like, probably have encountered this more times than you even counted and you didn't yeah. it's just that now it's coalesced into a single word right yeah totally totally um wow okay so who okay so that's what the alt-right is they're they're sort of this not quite organized group of these like-minded people right. Right. um who who a uh, big part of their argument is like freedom of speech sort of a like libertarian e yes like that's right you know a like lot of them i should be allowed i should be allowed to do whatever the fuck i want without mm. anybody interfering as long as i'm not hurting anyone but that doesn't seem to be mm. that a, last a part is definitely not, not commonly true. heard. maybe um, maybe in justifications to the mainstream but yeah i, I guess that's like the libertarian I've, value though isn't it i very like, rarely hear alt right people uh, talking among themselves saying that they shouldn't hurt anyone, and I very often hear them posturing about being right, tough right, and right. beating people up and shooting. Okay, so maybe that's that. maybe that's not not correct. Well, so okay, so who's who's in charge? Like, is anyone in charge? Well, each is it like each, a bunch of anarchists? Like, just like who's going to run the meeting? We can't. Who, yeah, who put you in charge? Well, like <laughs> each subculture. Yeah. Remember, it was subcultures before it was a single thing. Yeah. Right. And and the only reason it's a single thing now is because like the leaders of the different subcultures can kind of point everybody in one direction and then they dogpile on one thing, but they don't right. function in a or to, super organized way yet. Right. right? So, like one of the things they all got pointed at was Donald Trump. Right. Um, so like in the different subcultures, like among the white ethno nationalists, um, the, you know, white supremacists, we call them like Nazis is a word for them. It's not an inaccurate word, but it's not the best word to describe them. Right. I don't know. I think that they're not not Nazis. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah, I always I, every time I hear someone say the alt right is a bunch of Nazis, though, like I kind of I don't like that because for me, it seems like a very easy accusation yeah it's a like, bit lazy to and also not not only easy for accusation for someone to make but also pretty easy mm -hmm. to like sidestep for an alt-right person you know what yeah I mean? that's right There's it's hundreds it's of reasons argument. that they're not nazis and it, it's actually hilariously similar to apparently what they do yeah. of like taking a couple things that's right and generalizing them about like but don't get me wrong certainly some of them are nazis and some yeah. of them are like ones want like one step removed from nazis like not people i would want running anything and do not trust to not put me in a camp right but then i think the rest of them 
are like the people who would do nothing as people were rounded up and burned in ovens. Right, like I right. think they would abs like most of the alt right would absolutely watch the people that you know and love get sent to camps and murdered. Right. I think they are like maybe they wouldn't like do it themselves but they would not, not lift up. a fucking finger to help right, you right, and right. that's danger that's why there's danger right so i don't think it's intellectually uh sharp to call them all nazis yeah. but it's not not a part of what that coalition is and right because of that it should be very carefully watched yeah, at the very least it can be said they have some of most some of them have disturbing values. Ah, hell yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk about a couple of people who are appointing the, the right. horror so, exodus. So, so we got I, this Milo Yiannopoulos guy. Yeah, Milo he's, Yiannopoulos. Or, yeah, he, he's Ma- around. Milo's like, um, he's a senior editor at Breitbart News, and he is, um, I don't know, he's kind of like a classic demagogue. You know, he, he says things, he's a very charismatic speaker and writer who like riles people up. And he's kind of the voice, he came to prominence during Gamergate. Right, yeah. which was after the Scientology protests, the next big like real world thing the alt right did, and which was really when the alt right was born. Like mm. the con, like when these guys stopped being a bunch of dudes on the internet posting a bunch of random shit and being intolerant and enjoying riling people up and 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 stuff like that, um, and they became like a group of people seeking concrete political action in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Gamergate, which was this like crazy oh, it's such a weird fucking icky story yeah this one just like ladies were getting yelled at yeah on so video games, it started it? it started with this one game developer whose girlfriend had had a relationship with who his girlfriend was also a game developer and she had had a relationship with a dude who was a games journalist uh-huh. right and and this this guy who who's mad about his girlfriend having this relationship who, you know, like in many reports was like an abusive shitty guy. Yeah. Um, published this crazy blog post where he, you know, called her a slut and all kinds of things. And, and, and basically kind of like tried to stir up misogynistic anger at her. Right. And then it became this like internet steamroll dog pile thing where the, 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 the dog whistle, you know, like the code word for this was that they were all about ethics in game journalism. And the single thing they grabbed onto was it's unethical for pe- like for the relationships between game journalists who like review games to have close personal relationships with the, the people who make the games. Like that's the societally acceptable thing on the front of what happened in Gamergate. But the underbelly of it was like these people brutally and violently harassed a number of women who worked in gaming and tried to, you know, and then they, and because uh, they perceived the increasing female and like queer and alternative presence in games as being like an encroachment on their space and as something being forced upon them. Right. right. So like gay characters appearing in games, games designed and created by women for women, right. games that featured less sexualized representation of women, all these things they perceived as being attacks on their right. space. Yeah. We, we've always had it this way. We like it this way. Why are you changing? Exactly. Right. And, and they did all kinds of like actually illegal, scary shit, like threaten and harass people. Yeah. And then they also engaged in like economic action. So they like did stuff like letter writing campaigns to advertisers on game sites that attacked them to get them to pull advertisements and cause some lost revenue. And they had some like policy successes. They succeeded in getting 
game journalism ethics codes rewritten at many websites. And then they also outed themselves too. Then they, they, co- they coalesced into a movement. Like because they had successes, they, they were energized and there were like, you know, channels of organizing created. Almost, that's why they resemble a political movement and they're mm-hmm. considered a political movement. What they did, again, what they did was take a very general concept that anybody should be able to agree with and then use it to justify acts of hatred and intolerance and like violence towards people who disagreed with them. Right. Right. It was pretty easy from the outside to see that. And that's where Milo Yiannopoulos came from. Yeah, he came from there. And um, okay. and now he's a writer at Breitbart News and represents represents a lot, a, a large... He's like one of the main ambassadors for the entire alt-right. Every time I like Google alt-right, he's one of the people that pops up yeah, most consistently. That's right. He He's written extensively about it at Breitbart. Is, is Alex Jones alt-right? Yeah, he's part of the crazy conspiracy yeah. uh, part of the alt-right, which love, is not... I not, love watching yeah. him yell at us. Oh, stuff. yeah, we didn't talk about it, but like, that's a part of it, too. Like, There's another part of the alt-right who just believe like the most insane things about the yeah. world, like Pizzagate and like... Which we are, we are planning to do a conspiracy episode, episode yeah, yeah. of explain it to jamie stay Can you tuned believe, for that like how does alex jones live at that temperature all the time I, he, he's gonna die like have a heart attack he's like 40 years yeah. old can you believe that he doesn't look 40. he looks like 65 yeah yeah <laughs> like he years ago he was 30 yeah like just just a matter of months ago yeah. You know what it's like to go to sleep every night knowing you work for a bunch of psychotic killers and you bastards are probably going to end up killing me one day? You know what it's like knowing you've ruined my life? You know what it's like? You sons of bitches! I'm tired of your crap! You commit evil, you're part of an evil system, and we're standing up against you! And the Republic is going to defeat you in the end! Some of us won't make it personally through this, but a lot of us are. And in the end, you are going to be brought to justice for all the kids you kidnapped for CPS, all you CPS workers, all you corrupt bureaucrats, all you that have had your way with innocent children over and over again who think your evil's invincible. You're not invincible, and God is going to deal with you. And you are cursed to hell. I'm done. i got to get out of here. I'm pissed off now. I read once this, like, factoid about... Uh, some it was like in one of those bathroom reader books. Yeah. Some factoid about like a culture that believes every person is given a certain amount of air to breathe <laughs> at birth, and so that like when you like burp and fart and stuff, you're actually like using some of your like time. It's like oh, your fuse. No. So Alex Jones is like he's expending his air. Like, yeah, he's just burning his burning fuel. It. He's emptying the fucking tank. Yeah, just talking. It's like I'm breathing anyway. I might as well make these into some yelly sounds and some words. I guess you uh, so, know he's, what so he's alt right. Like, oh yeah, there's yeah, yeah. an alt right conspiracy sphere. Too. Yeah. Um. You know what's interesting about like why is that appealing to people? Like, like is it just that you have so much fury in your heart at everything that like to hear someone yelling even about incoherent bullshit? It's like it's like listening to a song you like. You know, like what is that? I think there's something about it. I think of like. I think if someone is expressing that much emotion, yeah, it demands you to pay attention. Yeah, I was like, that's I, funny because when I scream and weep on the subway, everyone ignores me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was reading something recently about the sounds of different animals like screaming. Okay, like so, like the sound of a lion roaring, the sound of a gorilla yelling, the sound of an elephant, and like it. There is a deep biological thing in all of us that says get the fuck out of the way huh. when when we hear a certain like um uh, like what's not treble like clash of sounds yeah like that when you yell you actually you're not yelling in one note you're yelling in multiple notes right and like that 
combination is like a, a yeah deep deep uh, like primate or not just primate deep like mammalian like hmm. get the fuck out of the way right. pay attention to what is happening right now you're gonna get eaten right you know what I mean so like I think whenever which is why like police officers are told like when you deal with the public yo speak like this yeah yeah even if even if you're talking to someone who's completely calm and normal because when you hear someone talking like that you're like oh shit like yeah yeah, yeah. military same way you yeah, know yeah. They, they you always speak in that way because it. It makes yeah. you unignorable. Right. And that's how the brown note works, too. And that's how the brown note also works. Yeah. It's the perfect harmony of sounds. <laughs> yeah. To just release your sphincter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And cause. It's like, a, it's like an 11-year-old South Park reference. Pull that out. The brown note. Um, okay. So, yes. Yeah, so Alex Jones, Yelly McGee, he's part of that. Yeah, he's Neil, part of Milo that. Milo Yiannopoulos yeah. is, is part of that. Oh, I was trying to say this all the way yeah, back when. Yeah. Richard Spencer, he's Richard the white Spencer. ethnocentrist guy. And he's the one who created the term alt-right. Um, okay. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to bring this to uh, a point which I'm, I'm, I want to get to. I'm very interested about it. And it seems to be, like, I'm a bit worried about it because I think you and I have, like, a bit conflicting yeah, yeah, yeah. views on it. Um, uh, you know, I, I also, uh, Richard and I have a, have a history of, uh, of doing improv for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, I, I do quite a bit of it still. And uh, the comedy community has a very, um, uh, they, I, I don't want to say they, they certainly have an uh, like aligned view because it, even in the comedy community, it's like divisive. Uh, div- divisive. But there is a, you know, there's a, we're, we're talking about free speech here is what, is what we're getting into. It's like what you're allowed to say, what you should say, what like qu- all of this in, in air quotes. Um, yeah. What, what, where, what rules there are, what, like what more moralities there are, that kind of thing. Because right. that seems to be a major tenet in the alt-rights. Yeah. And they seem to bring it up on every show I see them on. It's mm-hmm. like, I have the right to say whatever I want. Right. That seems to be like sort of a mainstay. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, let's be clear, so too. So I want to get into free speech. Like, there, like we have free speech in Canada. America has free speech. Most Western countries have free speech. Most countries say they have free speech. Even ones that don't say, that don't have free speech say that they have free speech. Like China, in its constitution, says that there's free speech and free press, which, like, no. Isn't true. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, here's the uh, breaking news. No. We got breaking news coming down the wire. <laughs> China does not have free speech. Oh, you no. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Cite us in your university papers. Well, can you imagine if this was actually like the first time that was mentioned? Whoa! We were, like we were breaking the story. <laughs> wow! Wow! What a Our world phones that would be. immediately start. Yeah. Start. We what haven't even put stuff? this online. What yet? other stuff have we broken that has never been said before? You know. Yeah. Well. Italy's got a uh, 3.5% threshold. threshold. That's right. Listen to our last <laughs> clarification episode if you want to know about that one. Yeah, nobody knew that. Um, um, yeah, so... You right, do, so freedom of speech. So, so, we, so, so Canada has freedom of speech. Yeah, but freedom of speech has never, literally never, mm-hmm. been completely unregulated. I was going to say, because like, even coming up, um, my dad would right. always say, he's like, no, we don't have freedom, freedom of speech in Canada. Yeah. And I would say, what do you mean? You know, he said, well, you can't, you can't uh, use hate speech. Not that my dad was like, fucking can't, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. God damn it, can't use hate speech. He's just, you know, he's just saying, you, there's there's yeah. no such thing as absolute freedom of there speech. There never has been. There, there, yeah. well, A, freedom of speech is a right, a fundamental right granted by a government to its people, yeah. right? So this is one of the most important concepts that's most often misunderstood about freedom of speech is like I, Richard, 
am not capable of impinging upon you, Jamie's right to freedom of speech. Right. You're not getting your right to freedom of speech from me, and I have no obligation to like grant you the right to freedom of speech. It's the government that does it, right? So you, sh- so um, you should be able to say anything and not face like imprisonment right. or punishment from the government. But right. but, but other citizens doing shit. Yeah. To and you. this is where okay, now we're getting into it, and yeah. we're gonna start showing our opinions. This is where like, you know, from from my comedy perspective, also my theater perspective, mm-hmm. to be honest, I feel like um, sometimes I am like, uh, no, I don't want to say I'm limited because that's the wrong way. Uh, I, I get I get my back up a little bit when people say you can't make jokes about this specific topic. Right. Because uh, I disagree. I, right. uh, I, my, my opinion is that's not true. I think you can make jokes about pretty much anything you want it mm-hmm. is possible and you should be allowed that being said you know with every you know there is a give and take to everything and it, it, it literally you know we live in a capitalist society in more ways than one and that is one as well if you you know it, to everything there's a cost and if right. the cost is worth it to you if me going out and making a rape joke if I think it's a good enough rape joke and it's worth the risk or worth the the inevitable pushback on it, to me, um, I, I I think it's it's my right to make. And when I say cost, I mean like if people turn on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? If if I make a joke and twenty percent of the audience likes it and eighty percent doesn't, if I go, you know, that's what I wanted, that that's what it was worth to me, then I say like all the power to you. I I think, you know, I respect that point of view. I very rarely hear people who are on, on, like in the gun sites about the jokes they tell own it the way that you just owned it. Yeah. I often hear them whining like little assholes. Yeah. I have no other words for it. I often hear them being a bunch of whiny little bitches um, trying to weasel out of responsibility for their own actions by, uh, appealing to their right to free speech. If they said, I knew that this was offensive and I just consider that a part of my job and I don't apologize for that, but I do know that I was going to offend people and I'm owning that, that would be one thing. But often they feel the need to defend themselves against the consequences also by trying to appeal to people and their right to say something, which I don't think that's, I think that you have the right to say it, but I don't think that the fact that you have the right to say it, A, means that you should say it, and B, means that other people shouldn't judge you for it, which I think we both agree on. Like I said, you are, you, if, if everyone said what you said, I think it would be way less of an issue. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, I mean, and and here's an example. It's like, I, (laughs) I can't even think of any, but like, I, very rarely, I don't, I don't want to say never, just in case I get proven wrong, but like I very rarely uh, find myself on stage telling a, jo- a rape joke. Right. Be- if for no other reason than I understand that like that's a tight, tight rope to walk and that like, I don't know, it's not worth the risk for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I can make jokes about other stuff in and around, like that's just not as... Uh, not as it's not tempting for me. Yeah. That being said, I do understand. Like there are so, there are a lot of comedians, and actually a lot of my favorite comedians are constantly walking a border, of and course. like uh, uh, like consistently pushing the limits, and and inevitably, you know, they will tiptoe over the edge, 
and mm-hmm. um, and you know face some repercussion. And, the, and, and but I've, I've but you know, yeah, inevitably they walk over the edge. I just find people are very quick to like you know very quick to jump on somebody it's like yeah but they've you know they've Absolutely. always been this way you know they're like that that's their deal they, they yeah. this is what their show is here's here's something important to consider yeah. um, and I'm, I'm i i will speak to canada because i know a lot more about canada than the u.s's free speech laws but i think the same theories are in play in the u.s too um we received the the right to freedom of speech in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which became a part of our Constitution in 1982, yeah. right? And the Charter of Rights and Freedoms was kind of like one of the last major achievements of Pierre Trudeau's prime ministership, right? right in, in Canada, this was his kind of second phase of leadership. In the 1960s, in Pierre Trudeau's first phase of leadership, he introduced multiculturalism as a core foundational element of Canadian society. And the Charter of Rights and Freedoms was how he cemented multiculturalism into Canadian society for, you know, forever, essentially. Like, it's going to be really hard to undo it because it's part of our constitution now, right? right? So with all that in mind, the purpose of free speech and the limits that are on our free speech, the limits about hate speech and the limits about, you know, threats and the limits about things like that that are in the Canadian free speech, right, right. are specifically designed to, cr- to help maintain a multicultural society. And we have s- pretty strict hate speech laws, comparatively speaking to other places, because it is it was considered a fact of our society that we would have many different groups living in the same spaces and that those groups would not be obligated to adopt like a middle ground culture, right? Like they often say America's the melting pot and Canada's like the cultural cultural mosaic, right? So because we knew we were trying to make a cultural mosaic because that was the goal, we needed to create institutions in our government that would basically allow cultures to live side by side and not feel threatened, right? right? And part of that was protecting the minority cultures against the dominant majority culture. And one of the main mechanisms for that is hate speech, right? right? right. Um, That's one of the goals. And so I think that's part of what freaks people out and what causes like outrage and fury about comedians, especially who poke at the edges of those kinds of veins of humor that punch down on minorities and vic- victims as, and things like that mm-hmm. is that it threatens the space, right? It threatens the, the, the kind of t- like the stitching holding together the cultural mosaic right, at some right, level. And right. there is like, there's always societal worth in pushing the envelope and exploring the places our societies held together and prodding them a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. But that is where the reaction comes from. Right. You know, especially when there's so much struggle among like minority groups and underrepresented groups to like get any positive representation of themselves or any like even accurate representations of themselves into the mainstream culture. Right. It can be undone so quickly by a couple like very well publicized stereotypes. You know what I mean? At least that's the perspective of the people being punched down on. Right, right, right. So... I want to, so I'm going to bring up a specific um, joke. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll exclude the joke because I'll butcher it. But uh, I think it can actually tie it back to the alt-right or, uh, conversation. Yeah, let's do it. So there's, one of my favorite comedians is this guy called Bill Burr. Uh-huh. And he is one of those comedians that is very consistently 
walking a border. And the way he does that is he always takes the side of ignorance and asks hard questions. Yeah. Now, he, like himself, seems like a pretty thoughtful, um, like, liberal-minded guy, um, but is, you know, is very... Like, uh, an example is one of his... One of his bits on one of his earlier albums is like, you know, they say there's no reason to hit a woman, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, really? He's like, I can think of like 17 off the off the bat. And he goes in to say, he's like, I'm not saying you should. I'm saying nobody should ever hit anybody. But like the idea, uh, and it's obviously littered with jokes, so it, so it makes it a bit more charismatic. But like the idea that there's no reason Right. That's that's an argument is a dangerous thing in his in his view. Is he like it, it ends a conversation. And so, you know, whether you agree or disagree, and I'm, I'm not really siding with either, I can see the value in like um in t- in t- in in saying, Hey, you know you know, not 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 every act of, of abuse falls out of the sky, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And uh and it's it's dangerous to say that there's no reason because it, that immediately makes it a black and white argument. Mm-hmm. Um, now that being said, I'm like, <laughs> you know, is that the is that the hill you want to die on? Right. You know what I right. mean? For me, no. Like I, you know, I I I would rather not walk walk that bridge. Yeah. Um, and so like and and also you know there's there's lots of things that he's not. Not not bringing in at the end of the day, it's stand up special. It's a joke. He himself is like, I'm not a politician. I'm not like advocating for policy. I'm just asking questions. Well, and that's the thing about the alt right too. It's like because they come from this world of internet trolling, and because they're like fundamentally privileged and sheltered people. Like I don't think very many of them live in actual abject poverty, and most of them aren't part of the working class. Most mm-hmm. of them are like, you know, the, again, the stereotype is like people who live in their parents' basements. Like, they have parents whose basement they can live in. They can they have resources. Um, for many of them, provocation is the absolute goal, right? right? Once Because, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, and I think that it's dangerous to, like, psychoanalyze people generally. But, like, I, I don't think that this is, like, super disputed that for, for people who are like you know who don't feel like they have power in society and who don't feel like they're succeeding at their own lives mm-hmm. and, and they're supposed to be um creating outrage in somebody is one way to feel like you have power and you have the ability to affect the world around you even if it's like a deeply misguided one mm-hmm. that's why a lot of their intellectualization is bullshit like they don't believe the things they say they believe in they're not interested in refining and examining those hypotheses against the rigor of the scientific method and the real world mm-hmm. all they their actual end goal is is provoking people because the only way that they know they exist is when someone else acknowledges them right because they have so little to hold on to right um I was in. I I had a very small part in this play called Incident at Vichy, which I think you saw. Yeah. Um, which is this Arthur Miller play written in the '60s about like a bench full of guys in uh, in Vichy, France, who have been um, pulled into a, a station and who are about to all get sent to a concentration camp, although they don't know it yet. This is a pretty sick play, and I think everyone should read it. It's a good, good reading for right now. The fact that it's like Arthur Miller's B material is yeah. crazy. Crazy because it's, it's fucking good. Yeah, it's a good play, and it, it captures. And it's really like current. <laughs> it captures this really frightening moment where everyone has heard 
that the Holocaust is happening, but no one believes it yet. Or some people believe it and some don't. And they, and so everyone's torn between if they should like, you know, they're all waiting to be processed and they're all, they're going to be sent to, to on a railroad. We, the audience knows they're going to be put on a rail car and sent to a concentration mm. camp, but, but do they know it or do they not know it? And one of the, are they choosing yeah, not to know there's it? this crazy quote in, in that I'm going to paraphrase it where one of the characters says like he's, he's come from Germany and he's seen the rise of Nazism there. And he says like these people, um, like they cannot be reasoned with or understood. Their motives are musical. Like, 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 and, and other people are like the instruments that they play. Right. They, they, they don't. And he says, I often ask people why, why, if you're German, why is it necessary to hate people who are not German? Why is it necessary to hate other people? And he's like, I realize they don't hate Jews because they're German. They hate Jews because they're nothing. And it's only in like having their hate, like in inflicting their like musical hatred on other people that they realize that they exist. They only feel their existence Ah. and the pain of the people they affect. Right. And for an entire generation of people who have retreated from reality and who live online in games and fantasy world and online communities, that same phenomenon is at play now, except transmuted through the digital age. Anyway, this crazy Arthur Miller play. Well, this. okay, that is a really nice bridge into something else that I wanted to talk about. It's kind of hard to talk about like alt-right policy because because as you said, it's kind of like pockets of people who all want to think different. And there's like sometimes one thing they all jump on super specifically. Yeah, but a lot of the time it's just like, so it it also makes it hard to to generalize. Yeah, they're not, they're very hard to generalize. Um, Here's another, yeah, okay, so here's uh, who was I watching talking about this? Might have been Milo. Yeah. Um, well, here's here's an interesting. Okay, so he wasn't talking about this specifically, but um, I'll just talk about my personal feeling as a white man, which, like, as I say, like makes my palms sweaty and like my knees weak. Oh, spaghetti! Just like already mouth spaghetti. You're talking into a microphone about being a white man. You know what I mean? You better lose. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, so my my whole life, I've noticed a pattern in myself, which is friends of mine that have very specific um, uh, cultures, whether they be like uh, religious or uh, national or, or whatever, um, who like you know like uh, one of my good friends in high school was Portuguese and like whenever I go to over to her house, we'd have Portuguese food and like her mom's Portuguese her dad's Portuguese, um, mm-hmm. it's a very Portuguese house, and I always loved that mm-hmm. I, you know I always loved doing that I, I you know I've had friends Italian same deal like uh, uh, Nicaraguan same deal you know. And like you go to go to someone's house that like Jamaican like and their and their their house their their household their family has this this uh, this richness and this difference. I am like a millionth generation like uh, uh, mutt, yeah, um, Western European Canadian. You know, I don't. My family's culture is like being from Alberta, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, and so it's kind of, it's very bland. Yeah. And especially, um, put in, in perspective with another, like mo- so, someone who's try who's, who's like grandparents or parents came from another country and they're trying to protect their culture in this, in this, uh, 
in this new country, mm-hmm. and so like the, you know their their house really has a has a flavor. Their their family has a flavor, and and I've always been envious of that 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 feeling. Right. And so um, and so oh okay, there's an old George Carlin joke in which he talks about how the the basis of sexism and misogyny now this is based in no facts and again this is a, no statistics this is a stand-up routine but it has points the basis of it exists in men's jealousy towards women mm-hmm. for like a man ha- like you know d- d- delivers his sperm uh steps back for nine months watches um his partner carry uh like grow this child from from nothing deliver the baby the baby then feeds from the mother for for however many months afterward has a special bond and the jealousy of of the man of like the you know dear god the, the, the uh, what what part in this did i actually have oh i better go make money i better like yeah i better go provide better go you know like that's where the basis of it comes and uh, part of me wonders if that's you know sort of a i don't know if the same can be applied as far as like different cultures goes of i i look at these other cultures and i think fuck you know this is so cool that you have this you know you have a team you have you know but i'm like i'm a white guy you know what i mean and and right and so oftentimes you know i like i like many uh white guys when some when people are like fucking white people i kind of go like (sighs) yeah okay cool you know (laughs) like yeah 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 yeah, definitely definitely you know i like i don't have a team Mm -hmm. and um or like a or a community or anything like that so like i look at these groups like these alt-right groups and stuff that come out and part of me gets it like part of me is they want to have a team they want to have a team part of me is like yeah you're just you're you're you know it's hard, you know, when I'm, when my buddy finishes acting school, like ha- 70 grand in debt, you know, his his fa- his family it doesn't make the kind of money mm-hmm. to to help him out of that, you know, and he's, you know, for for them people to turn around and say like fucking uh straight white man privilege and look at him, like I kind of right. go like it's not, you know, that's that must suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? That fucking sucks. And and uh I don't know. It's, it's definitely, you know, white privilege, definitely a thing. Definitely, definitely a thing. I just, I sometimes I, I look at it and I go, yeah, I get wanting to be a part of a team. I get sort of that thing. It, I, that when it comes to, like, you know, like bullying other people and and picking on other groups and and stuff like that, I obviously can't get on board at all. But you see how it could happen, right? Like, if you were were insulated from the consequences of that, if you were only, if you found a bunch of dudes who thought the way you did online and you guys got to riff and you got to say those like slightly off-color things finally to people who would laugh at you and all think you were funny that you don't get to say in real life and then, you know, you get the rush of like sniping down roasting somebody on Twitter like you see how it can spiral and so all of a sudden you're like a a building block of this like huge internet hate machine but you don't even necessarily think of yourself that way like there probably are thousands and thousands of people who are actually part of this huge amorphous cloud that's the alt-right who don't even think of themselves as being in the alt-right they're just contributing to like the smaller pieces of the alt-right yeah yeah yeah, so I don't know. I guess I wasn't really so much making a point as I was just sort of like saying some of my insecurities and where I think maybe the alt right 
like isn't this I, I don't know i'm like such a waffler i don't want to come on here and be like well guys i think the all right's got some fucking points no i but mean like, like, the problem know. is they do have some points and the problem is that when you start to look at them i i have com- i have like a weird compassion for how this came to be i again i was like one of these young men on these internet communities i've seen it happening i've mm-hmm. i've joined the protest against scientology because i was a politics nerd you know yeah. it was an internet joke and i was like very yeah. out of place <laughs> but like um i don't know it's not that far from any of us who are like young millennial males who came of age with the internet right like like it's close to us. That's part of what makes it interesting. I have compassion for them. I think that they have a deeply, deeply dangerously bad sense of their own personal responsibility that comes from being insulated from the consequences of their own action and the actual effects of their own privilege. I think that you're not insulated from those things, and that's a huge part of why you right. didn't end up like them. Right. The fact also, that also if you have, if you guys have any opinions on anything that I just oh said God, in that way, us. just like throw it throw it on there. I'm, I want to read all of it. And so. I and I like Jamie is one of my most compassionate and privileged literate friends, and I feel like he knows that I know that about him, and that's why he feels the comfort and the safety to say what he just said. And it's an interesting. I mean, there's so many inter- there's like six other episodes in what you just said, and maybe we'll start to pull apart those ideas in future things. But like, yeah. um, you know, a What's funny is I'm sitting here across from you and I'm half Chinese and I am so assimilated into white culture. Like the idea that multiculturalism is like a fundamentally unstable and like will cause the fragmentation of society is such an absurd idea to me sitting here. Like it literally took one generation for my family to like very much adopt 95% of what white mainstream Canadian society is that like, I don't get that line of argument at all. It just seems insane to me. Right. And I often find that it's more about white people's fear and sometimes they're like laziness in trying to reach out to the cultures around them than it is about reality, right? Well, and and, and I, I also think that like, it can be used as an example, like my nervousness around talking around this topic. Yeah. You know, well, like I think we're, gonna, we're also planning to do a Black Lives Matter uh, episode yeah, sometime in definitely. the future. And that one makes me nervous also because right. I'm like, you know, I don't know, what if I find out <laughs> after launching this podcast <laughs> that I'm like the worst, you know, one. Um, and like, so, but like my nervousness around topping, talking around this topic for me is the same, th- is the embodiment of that argument that Bill Burr makes. Of like, right. I just don't understand why you can't ask questions. You know, right. like, he's like, I'm not say- I'm not trying to s- yeah. start a rally or like get like, you know, but I like, I, I just, uh, I got questions around it. If you're a white person who's listening to this and you're on, you have the same thing. Like I would just encourage you to argue, to ask questions in good faith. Mm. And all that means is be prepared to receive answers from people that, have the possibility to change your worldview. You must, in, we must approach these grand questions about our society with the potential that we will be changed. That's, it's been my mantra for a long time. And then you're, especially talking with my conservative relatives, of like, yeah. if you're not willing to change your opinion, this isn't a conversation. And I'm willing to change mine. This is the problem with the alt right: is they claim to just be asking questions, but they they don't have the intellectual rigor to. Uh, change their positions when you confront them and you see it now this alternative facts fake news idiot idiot discourse we have in our society this fucking horrible discourse we have about calling things fake news when we don't agree with them which actually 
might be the worst thing to come of the Trump administration in the years to come. Like, this is actually the most, the thing that I get angry about when I'm like, like the fact that he introduced this into our political discourse, this idea that you can call something fake news if you don't agree with it, is vile. It should mm. be expunged. Yeah. Because we are fucked if we cannot agree on facts anymore right and yeah. this is when you talk when you engage these all right people online they don't want they they'll they'll come in all ooh, pretending to be like these smart people just asking questions and then they fucking lose their shit and will ignore you if you if you try to challenge them on things right 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 we saw it so much in canada with m103 which is this islamophobia motion that was put into the house of house of commons where um canada's breitbart rebel media whipped all of these kind of uh, conservative people they're like what what what's kind of like the alt-right in canada which is like a very different much softer thing into a frenzy about how it was attacking freedom of speech when a it doesn't because mm. it's a motion and not a bill. So it's not a law. A motion is like the Canadian Parliament's like Facebook status update. Mm, like right. it basically, when you pass a motion in Parliament, it just means like Parliament says this, right? It's like right. Parliament says like, this is like Parliament says Islamophobia is bad. It's like okay, sure, guys. Yeah, like yeah. maybe you could. And and what frustrates me is they still haven't done things, taken the steps like. Um, like to allow refugees into Canada that have all already come to the U.S. and stuff like that, that would actually benefit um, refugees coming from Syria and other places who are trying to get into Canada if they can't get into the U.S. The government hasn't done that stuff. They haven't done the real stuff, but they've just said this one thing. And it's not a very effective thing they did it's like an empty gesture but mm. all these conservative people are losing their minds over how it's an affront to freedom of speech and how it's like literally they say it's the start of sharia law in canada and you can't argue with them you can't like when you say to them like this is a non-binding parliamentary motion that carries no weight and it just says islamophobia is bad and we're going to start a committee to maybe create a database of anti-islamic like hate incidents yeah it's like that's not sharia law but yeah. they won't hear you they right. will not hear you because they do not have the intellectual um, tools to surrender to like uh, to like process new information that conflicts with their worldview. It's really fr it's like I honestly I I don't believe in controlling the thoughts in other people's heads as mm -hmm. a liberal like as a as a left I'm not a liberal anymore I'm like a leftist as a leftist I don't believe in controlling the thoughts in other people's heads i think that probably i will not be able to like like change the bigotry in somebody's head but i am forced to fight for and insist upon a shared set of public norms that do provide space for everybody mm -hmm. so i don't need you to like muslims and i don't need you to like gay people and i don't need you to like trans people but yeah. i do need you to understand that we need laws that protect them from things right, right? um Unfortunately, and I dream of a world where I can collaborate with somebody who like has bigotry in their heart, but we can still build institutions that benefit everybody. Like that's to me functional society. Yeah. But if they will not agree on a set of facts with us because it's too upsetting to their preconceived notions of hate, we are in for a lot of trouble. Yeah. And we're at the moment we are heading towards what I believe might be a lot of trouble and it's really frightening. Right. Ugh. Right? This is the point. That's the heavy side. That's that means point. we should probably <laughs> no, start life, wrapping this life up. Life is getting hard. So 
Okay, so uh, maybe yeah, maybe let's do a little wrap up. So yes. the alt right um, was born in the same furnace uh, as was uh, anonymous, sort of from uh, 4chan, Reddit, like mm-hmm. the internet culture. That's right. Um, and is actually like a, yeah, a ragtag band of bands, um, multiple different groups of people. Um, and individuals with different opinions um, really centrified like seems to me really focal like the focal point is isn't around freedom of speech and what you're allowed to say and um, it seems to be the sort of the binding thing uh, among all of them um, and and I would add but maybe that, a bastardized version of that. That's like one of that's one of the only things they're all for. Right. And then they're united more, I would say, by their opposition to the progressive left and right. like what they call social justice warriors. Right, 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 right. Um, cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And they um, some some uh, specific leaders is there Richard Spence Spencer and Spencer Richard Spencer Milo Milo Yiannopoulos and uh, and uh, uh, Jones Adam Alex Jones yeah um, sort of one of the things they started with was the was sort of the war against Scientology in in two thousand eight as well as and and more more recently obviously they all got behind Trump mm-hmm. um. Yeah, is there anything else specific I'm I'm missing? Like there are the, like there are some real fucking douchebags in the alt right. A lot of the people, they, the pundits they use have uh, like use sort of flawed. Like they're usually charismatic and usually like well devised statements that aren't that mask something that's like sort of true as absolutely true and uh, or, or has a grain of truth in it to to justify a. A, a terrible sweeping action mm-hmm. uh, or the opposite in which this specific thing happened so that means this must be true that's right um, yeah is there anything else you'd like you'd like to add oh, uh, yeah mm, I don't know just that it seems to come out of a lot of frustration like a lot of yeah isolate I, like well I think that fundamentally like masculine white masculine frustration and fundamentally I think that these people have been failed by society as as we all have like I think that this ties hugely into like the neoliberal model of the world, the gl- like globalizing the world and concentrate, like dismantling the social security net and concentrating wealth among the richest business people while kind of letting all the other institutions in the countries go to shit. Like yeah. this is a, another effect of that, right. right? This is another effect of that economic reality because the economic reality isn't there for these people to succeed and to be supported by society and to enter society fully functionally as like young millennials, right? We're all struggling to try to have the world that our parents had. Yeah. Um, this is one of the ways that they've released their energy. The, the difference between like the, I think more open eyed people and the alt right is that the alt right is just in order to preserve their sense of superiority has, uh, glommed onto stuff that's really intellectually dangerous and based mostly in lies that are like harmful to other people and the world around them yeah. right but the, ultimately these people are victims of capitalism mm-hmm. like i think that just they are victims of capitalism just like anybody is right they're another they're t- they're plugged into the big web that has affected our whole political culture for the last 50 years right? 
Right. So, okay, moving forward, how would you propose, Richard, to engage with this kind of discourse? The alt-right has to be defeated in the real world. Mm. The alt-right has to be defeated in concrete political action that keeps the the needle of progress marching ever ever forward towards what a more egalitarian world. That's what I believe in. I believe in a more egalitarian world where people have equal access to resources and have equal worth in society. Mm-hmm. The alt-right doesn't believe in that. Right. So I think that we just have to win. Right. I think, and I think that you can't, it's very hard to convince them because their their default stance is to be aloof and unconvincible, mm. and to be convinced of their the correct the correctness of their own arguments, and for their correctness to be a moral value, right? Like they're they're right because they're correct, and they're correct because they're right. That's like how their reasoning works. They mm. won't introduce the idea that they're wrong into their thinking, and will do almost anything to preserve their rightness. Right. Um, so because of that, I think we just have to. Like do concrete political action. You can't win a fight on the internet. You can't like make a funnier meme. Like a righteous Facebook thread that gets a thousand likes is not defeating the alt right. You have to like like keep an eye on policy. Make sure that the like our free speech laws like continue to protect sacred, our minorities yeah. that that need to be protected. That um that the the institutions of our societies keep functioning the way that they should to keep the pluralism alive in our society like that's what's going to be attacked if anything gets attacked so we just you need to like you know keep an eye out and and learn how to pay attention to government so that we can fight these battles like in the in a place where honestly the alt right is not as effective in the real world right. at actually affecting policy changes and things like that right we're, and I think there's still a huge numerical minority and the mainstream could totally block them from doing anything particularly effective if we all see the charge coming. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's kind of my take on it. Great, great. Um, wow, okay. Big yeah. episode. It is a big episode. It's interesting because our last episode, Standing Rock, is like a relatively simple issue that we sort of talked... Like we, This is we, such we, a di- complex We, we sort of discussed it and then we're like, okay, now we can talk in and around that issue. Yeah. And in this case, it's like sort of the opposite, where it's like, it's actually kind of this big, undefinable thing. Yeah. And now we can sort of talk about a couple key points in it. Yeah. Well, we're learning. We're, we're learning, learning here. We're learning. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. If you guys have any points or, or questions or things you want us to hit in our clarification, because I imagine there's going to be lots to hit in the clarification yeah. episode, uh, s- send us a, a, a message on our Facebook, explain it to Jamie. Uh, Gmail, explain it to Jamie at gmail.com. Or Twitter, expl- at explain Jamie. Um, you can also hit us up on our SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, as always, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, thank you very much. This has been another episode. I'm Jamie. I'm Richard. And this has been Explain It to Jamie. Woo!